Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, look on the screens, it says this. Seek first, let's say it together. Seek first God's kingdom and what God wants then all your other needs will be met as well. Come on, say it out one more time in faith. Let's fill this house today. Let's say, seek first God's kingdom and what God wants, then all your other needs will be met as well. Today, I'm talking about something that I I know is, it's a huge question in today's world, and it's this. Why church? Why the church? Though 73% of Americans say that they are a Christian, Only 31% of Americans say that they're a practicing Christian. What's a practicing Christian? It's someone who reads their Bible, prays, attends church. 48% of Americans are what's considered post-Christian. What that's defined as is at least 60% of the following is true, that they don't read their Bible, they don't pray, and they don't attend church. 48% of Americans are considered post-Christian. We live in a a post-Christian society to some extent, not a post-God. Most people will say they believe in God. They just don't believe in church. They just don't believe in, you know, the other things that you have to do. So a lot of times people, you know, will say they've been burned by the church. I can't tell you how many people that I've talked with just in the last year that have, I say, do you go to church? Oh, I used to go to church. And they'll tell me about the five churches they used to go to. And I say, why don't you go there anymore? Uh, you know, and in summary, it's something like I feel like I've been burned by the church, or I don't really, I don't really understand the reason for going to church, and uh, and so eventually the church just makes me feel guilty, so I stop coming because it comes and reminds me all the things I should be doing. Can't seem to get it all working, and so I just stop coming. I can live life on my own. I have Jesus in my life, and so I'm going to move on. You ever heard that story before? <laughs> you ever said that story before? Yeah, here in the Bible Belt. I think it's even worse because people assume that they already know. Church becomes irrelevant to many people. In fact, just about every day someone says, are you from here? I don't know. Can they? I don't know if they can't tell or something. They say, are you from here? I say, oh, well, no, I'm from California. Well, why did you come? How long are you going to be here? The rest of my life. This is home. Why did you move here? Oh, I came here to start a church. And do you know almost every time the reaction is like, Seriously? do you not know there's more churches here than, like, liquor stores, you know? Why are you here to start? Almost like, why? I'm sorry. <laughs> did, did you walk into failure? Did you walk into? And I say, no, no, no. I, I know there's a lot of churches here. There's a lot more churches here than there, there were where I came from. But I always just say God must really love Memphis because I'm here to just to love people. I'm not here for me. I already had a church. I'm not here for me. I'm here just to love people. But I know that the reaction that I get is because people have already been to church and they've already left church and they're kind of like, why are you starting a church? They don't have a real good feeling about that. And so what happens is, you know, especially here in the South, you tell them about church and what you believe and those things. And then they, they come and they're, they're trying to figure out if they really understand you. And, and because people will reject the church, what is the church's response? Let me tell you from this side. I've been a, a church boy all my life. Here's the church's response. Well, much like a spouse that's been rejected, a church will try to be more attractive. They'll try to 
have the music and the smokes and the lights and the, the greeters and the this and the that. And, the, and everything's, hey, everybody. And they're like, they're cool. They're trendy. They're this. They're that. I think I can, I think I can handle that church. And they begin to entertain people. Now, I'm not against any of that. I love all that. But can I tell you, that's not, that's not why people come to church. Maybe at first, that's not why people stay in church. Someone know what I mean this morning? Am I speaking to anybody this morning? Okay. So, uh, so the church begins to try to be more attractive, begins to entertain, begins to compete for the attention of people, which in turn becomes more of a, a turnoff to people because it validates their thoughts that the church is just a show. Church is just trying to put on a front. I've been to churches over the years, and as soon as you get to know them and you peel back the covers, you can see what's really underneath, and, and there, there comes the hurt again. I, I just don't know, if, don't know if I'm ready for that. Again, so people are left disillusioned. Can I tell you, family, Satan loves this whole game. He loves this whole game, and whether it's race or whether it's faith, Satan's intent is to divide people and to conquer them. That's why when people immediately will say at church, what denomination are you? And I'll say, Jesus. <laughs> and they'll say, no, 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 really. The Bible? Yeah, that's what everybody, come on, come on. Why? They're trying to box you in. They're trying to lock you in. They're trying to put you in something, right, to where you, they kind of get you. I, I, I've been to that church before, you know. And I say, well, we're part of an interdenominational movement called Foursquare. What is Foursquare? Well, we preach Jesus. Their Savior, Healer, Baptizer with the Holy Spirit, and soon coming King. And uh, yeah, yeah, I generally believe that. Okay, good. We're brothers in the Lord. We preach Jesus. We believe in Jesus. Why? Because I'm not trying, it's, it's, I'm not trying to, to make me this and you that. We're all children of God. Can somebody say yes? And I don't really care about the church, the organized church. You might say, a pastor saying that? You know what I care about? I care about what the Lord wants the church to be. Because we didn't come up with the church. Jesus came up with the church. And if you don't, you, you say, really? Why did he say, upon this rock, I'll build my church? Why did he say that he's the head and we're the body? Why did he say, husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church? Jesus validated the church, which means there is a place for the church. Which means that if we throw the baby out with the bathwater, we're going to lose. Am I speaking to someone this morning? You catch what I'm saying? Okay. So, this is the good news. Listen, there is a real God who loves you. He has a real purpose for your life. And there's a real purpose for the church and for your part in the church. So if you have a fear of getting disillusioned of, I'm not sure how to approach this, let me tell you, I'm not always sure how to approach it myself. But the only way do I know is to approach it is to go back to the head of the church, who's Jesus, and ask Jesus, Jesus, how do you want to do it? And probably it's written somewhere in his word. But let me tell you this, if we're going to seek first the kingdom of God, this question of why the church needs to be settled in our hearts. Otherwise, we will try to do life alone. And that's what I've seen many, many people do. I don't know what to do, so I'm just going to do it alone. Do you know anyone like that? Yeah. And that's what people have settled for. But can I tell you, that's not first best. That's not the intent of the Lord. And can I just tell you, as a pastor, I don't know all the, 
junk you've been through. You don't know all the junk I've been through. But I apologize on behalf of any leaders who've compromised the word of God. I apologize on behalf of anybody who's used the gospel to take advantage of you. Please forgive in the name of Jesus. Somebody say, I forgive. Yeah. Yeah, we have to settle this though. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12 says this. 1 Corinthians 6, 12, Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. Can we say this out loud? Let's read it. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. He's saying, there, there's so many things I can do, but that doesn't mean it's the best thing for me. There's so many things that are permissible, but that doesn't mean it's the best thing for me. He says, I will not be brought under the control, the power, or the lordship of anything else. Last week, we talked about Jesus being our Lord and our Savior. Sometimes we want to receive him as just our Savior, but he's our Lord. What does Lord mean? It means he's our controller. He's the one who calls the shots. He's the one who tells us what we need to do. The big question with many people, and people will ask me that. Don't feel bad if you've asked me this before. But this is a common question is, oh, with what you believe, can I do this? And can I do that? And am I able to do this? And, you know, as if the Bible's a bunch of set of rules. And you know what? The reality, can I drink? Drink. Can I smoke? Smoke. Can I smoke weed? Smoke weed. Someone says, Praise the Lord, that's the word I needed today. I'm out of here. <laughs> no, can I tell you, you can do things, but the Bible says just because they're permissible doesn't mean I should do them. That's what he's saying here. Just because you can, we're not trying to serve God to see what we can get away with. I think God's saying you can. My, my, you know, my kids have asked me things like, can I? get a tattoo. Can I, you know, not recently, but I'm saying, you know, can I put earrings in? Can I uh, drink? Can I do this when I'm older? Can I? I say, you could do it all. You can. You can. Because what I realize is if I, if I raise my kids with a bunch of constraints that they can do this, they can't do this, they can do this, as soon as they get outside of my house, they'll start doing what they couldn't do before. But under my tutelage, what I can do is I can let them know you can do anything you want. But that doesn't mean you should do it. See, you make the choice. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying all things are lawful for me, but all things aren't helpful. And I, but I don't want to be brought under the control of things. So the, that's a big question with many. It's not the right question. Can I tell you, it was Satan's question to Eve. Remember when Satan went to Eve in the Garden of Eden, there was two trees. There was the tree of life, and there was the tree of the knowledge of what? Of good and evil. It wasn't the tree of life and the tree of evil. It was the tree of the life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, Satan many times can't tempt you with evil because you know it's evil, but he'll tempt you with good because you say, well, it's good. Can I tell you, it could be good, but if it's not God... It's not right. It doesn't matter if it's a bad decision or a good decision. If it's not a God decision, it's a wrong decision. 
doesn't matter if it's a bad decision or a good decision. Sometimes people are just trying to say, well, wait, you just kind of tripped me right here because I'm just trying to serve God and live a good life. Nope, it's not going to work. You're gonna, you can live a good life and go to hell. You could live a good life and go right to hell. Jesus said, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, haven't I done this in your name? And haven't I done this? Haven't I done this? Haven't I done this? And what will I say? I never knew you. Why? Because God's not a religion. God's a person. He, he has a personal relationship. So let me say this. Why do I say this? Because in the church, we could do a lot of things. And a lot of people will do things to attract people because people are going away from the church. In our personal lives, we can do a lot of things. And a lot of times the things you'll do, the way you'll come across, the decisions you'll make, the friends you'll be with, the jobs you take, the way you dress, the way you look, the way you are, is to create something that you will be attractive, you'll be, it'll, many times our decisions are based on self. Can someone admit that this morning? Yeah. Attraction, what friends do I have? What gain is there? What positioning is there to make sure that I set things up? Did that conversation come across okay? Increasing my influence, increasing my personal value, personal control. How can I put myself in a better spot? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, he's speaking to you. Yeah, (laughs) okay. How do I climb the company ladder financially, socially, with bosses? Uh, Let me clarify, there's nothing wrong with being a quality leader being sharp, being excellent, being respectable. I believe that we should be those things. But if we're doing them for self-gain and self-service, oftentimes it could be against the kingdom because in contrast to those things, many of the decisions that Jesus made were of self-sacrifice. Many of the decisions that Jesus made weren't to follow the success of self, but were to follow the success of the kingdom. Not of themselves. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, (laughs) sit at the highest seat. No, he said, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Last week I showed you the picture of the camel. He says, really hard for rich people, talented people, people who have it all together to enter into the kingdom. Why? They got too much stuff. It's too hard for them to lay it down. But can I tell you, if you'll lay it down, you'll get a lot on the other side. So there's four building blocks of the church. I'm going to talk about two of them today. Four fundamental functions of the church. And listen, this is what they are. Number one, the word of God. The word of God. Number two, fellowship. Fellowship with other believers. Number three, outreach. Sharing the gospel. And number four, prayer. Which includes worship. Prayer. Those four things, I don't care if as a church, Memphis Tabernacle, we do anything else, we're going to do those four things. Come on, if you agree with me, say amen. We're going to have the word of God. We're going to have fellowship with one another. We're going to have outreach and we're going to have prayer. Those are the four fundamentals of the church. Look in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. If you don't have it uh, in your Bibles, look up at your screens here. And this was the verse that the Lord brought up in my heart again. Uh, This week, listen, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Notice four things. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What is that? It's the word of God. In fellowship. Fellowship with who? With other believers. With breaking of bread. What is that? And I'm going to show you some things that you may have never seen before. I had never seen them before. But as I was studying the word, 
the, the Lord showed me a couple of things out of the word that I want to point out to you. That the breaking of bread is the sharing of Jesus. It's outreach. And then prayer. Prayer. These are four things. They continued steadfastly. I want you to notice in the early church, this was in the same chapter that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. In other words, this was, this was before the church had a chance to mess it all up. Because that's what happens. Isn't that what happens? God starts something in your life and it's all pure and it's all amazing and it's awesome. And two years later, three years later, four years later, it becomes something else. It became. So going back to the very same chapter that the Holy Spirit was poured out, I want you to notice the people continued in these four things. In these four things. And the Bible says here that they continued steadfastly. This literally means to persevere or to be consistent toward. It doesn't mean the ministers of the church or the, the leaders that were on the platform, so to speak. But it means that the people. Listen, if we want to pray for a move of God, we have to do the things that go along with the move of God. Somebody say yes. It says that the people, literally, they continued steadfastly. They persevered. They were consistent toward. In the New Living Translation, it says all believers devoted themselves. They committed themselves, the message said. All believers committed themselves to these four things. Number one, the apostles' doctrine, the word of God. Not just doctrine, but the apostles' doctrine. What is that? The apostles got the doctrine from Jesus. And he's saying, make sure that you stick with the pure word of God that came from Jesus. Doctrine of the word of God and be unified in that. And you may say, but isn't that all the preaching is the word of God? I mean, there's podcasts, there's TV shows, there's radio programs. All of it's the word of God. No. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, Paul writes to Timothy and he says this. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires. I want you to notice how they chose doctrine. According to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. You know what that means? It means they find teachers that they like and who agree with them. You ever, you ever seen what I'm talking about? Hey, I really like him. Why? Because I've been waiting for someone to agree with the way, you know, I, I like this, you know, this whole teaching. And I'm looking for someone. And can I tell you, if you're trying to find someone to back up your beliefs, you can always find someone. I can show you who they are. Yeah. And the Bible says because they have itching ears and they're not going after sound doctrine, they'll find people who agree with them and who they like, and that's who they'll listen to. And they go, you know, I really like that. Well, sometimes, I'm not saying in most cases, but I'm saying sometimes that's who you like, but that's not who God's called you to sit with and sit under. Can I, can I tell you, I don't believe that you choose a church. I know that sometimes people will say, I'm trying to figure out what church I'm going to go to. And I say, well, that's good. What I've learned a long time ago is if I try to entice you or manipulate you to come, I'll have to do that to get you to stay. But if God spoke to your heart and moved on your heart, then God's the one who can continue to do that. Didn't he tell Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And so I want to tell you that upon this rock, I'll build my church. Notice in the book of Acts, they didn't build the church, the Lord added to the church. The Lord added to what? People who were doing church the right way, the Lord said, I'll add to that church. And so you know what I expect? I just want to do church the way God says to do it and let the Lord add to the church. Can somebody give me a hearty amen? 
We want to do the church the way the Lord wants us to do it. But the Bible says that these guys had itching ears. How do you know if the word of God has been taught? There's one way that I know to know that the word of God has been taught. Faith comes. Faith comes. When the word of God has been taught, you walk out of here with faith in your heart. When, the, when you've had a great teacher, someone who is, you know, they say the right things and they do the right things and they have all the right mannerisms and all that, you walk out more impressed with the teacher than you are the word of God. I want you to like, I want to be a good teacher. But can I tell you, I don't want you to be impressed with me. I want you to walk out of here and talk about what God said to you, not what I said to you. How do you know when the word of God is taught? Faith comes. Faith in who? Not faith in faith, but faith in God and faith in his word. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do you know that it's the word of God? Because it will produce faith. It's like I heard a doctor say before, how do you know the right things to eat? Well, after you eat them, how do you feel? How do you feel an hour later? How do you feel two hours later? Did they give you energy? How do you know if you're pushing it too much, you know, with exercise? Or how do you know if you're not doing enough afterwards? How does it make you feel? How did you respond to it? Can I tell you, it's the same thing spiritually. When you walk out of church, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I believe that we need to go uh, to a place that we can get fed and fed primarily the word of God. I have a million stories that I could tell you. Maybe not a million, but a thousand stories that I could tell you. But I want those stories to go along with the word of God. Why is faith so important? Well, because Hebrews eleven six 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please him. Most people that you ask, how do you please God? If you just went up and asked a, a Christian, how do you please God? You know what they would probably tell you? Works. I went to church this week. I gave. I read my Bible. I prayed. The only indicator the Lord gives right here in pleasing God is faith. In other words, do you believe what he said? Not did you read your Bible. Did you believe your Bible? Amen. Right? Now, all those other things are good. I'm not, I'm not trying to put those other things away. But the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. Not faith in faith, but faith in God. That's why it's important to be around someone who preaches and a church that, that teaches the word of God. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, Jesus said right before he left, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And then in verse 20, he says, teaching them. He didn't just say, go get people saved. He said, teach them to observe all the things that I commanded you. What is that? It's the apostles' doctrine. Teach them. Every time we meet, something of God's word should be shared. Every time we meet, something of the word of God should be shared. Whether we meet here, whether we meet in homes, whether we have a meeting, the word of God should be shared. That's number one. Say number two. Fellowship. Fellowship. The word fellowship in the Greek is koinonia. Koinonia, can you try to say it? Come on, I want to see if you can speak Greek today. Koinonia. Koinonia. Okay, that's the Greek word for fellowship. It literally means participation and community. <laughs> and some of you say, I, 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 I come to church. I don't know about the participation. I, I'm shy. Uh, but, but if one of the four fundamentals of the church is, and, and actually number two other outside of the word of God is koinonia. It means participation and community. Fellowship was a major part of the early church. It was second listed here. Not only coming to church, hearing a message and saying, hey, that was good. See you next week. No, but participation. And I want you to also notice these words, it says, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. 
in these four things that actually place doctrine and fellowship together. In other words, the things you fellowship about are the Word of God. It's not just fellowship about your, you know, about your bike ride or, or about how you slept last night or what, what restaurant you went to yesterday. All that stuff's good, and that's all great social stuff. I think is great in the church. But can I tell you, true biblical fellowship, it's doctrine and fellowship. Fellowship was a major part of the early church. Not just hanging out socially, but fellowshipping around what God is doing. How do you know that you're hearing the word of God? What did we say? How do you know you're hearing the word of God? What comes? Faith. How do you know that you're fellowshipping right? You're encouraged and strengthened in God. You're encouraged and strengthened in God. In other words, if you meet with other believers and you walk away, and every time you walk away, you feel dragged down, and you feel like they just dragged you through the mud. And you go, man, they discourage me every time I meet. That's not fellowship. You know what fellowship does? Fellowship, you walk away from it and you're a better person because you sat in fellowship with them. Because you spent some time with them. Get around people who pull you up, not people who take you down. Isn't that right? Get around people who pull you up. We're talking about biblical fellowship. How do you know that it's fellowship because you're encouraged and you're strengthened. This is why you cannot fellowship with unbelievers. Some of you may say, well, wait, unbelievers are my, some of my best friends. Yeah, but if that's where you try to get your fellowship, you're going to come up empty every time. Can we just say this up front? Let's let the word of God define what we believe and not ourselves, not our upbringing, not our experience. Can somebody say, let's let the word of God define what we believe. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 says this. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Listen to this. And what fellowship, same word, koinonia. What fellowship can light have with darkness? Now, I didn't ask this. The Bible said this. What fellowship can light have with darkness? You cannot fellowship with an unbeliever. Listen, what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Sometimes we're trying to get fellowship from unbelievers and we wonder why it doesn't work. Well, I'm just trying to get together to fellowship with them. Yeah, you can't. Why? Because they don't believe. Well, what do I do? Well, um, I, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you can't hang around unbelievers. I'm just saying you can't get fellowship with them. You can't have fellowship with them. If that is your social activity, is being around unbelievers, you're going to walk away taken and weak. And built up, maybe, maybe built up, but built up in the flesh, not in godly things. Well, what do I do uh, if I want to hang around unbelievers, but I want fellowship? Well, let me tell you the answer to that. It's in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 3. 1 John 1, 3 says this. That which we have seen and heard... We declare to you, listen, that you may have fellowship with us. What is he saying? He's saying, you don't know the Lord, <laughs> and I really want to keep hanging out with you, and I want it to be fellowship. So I'm declaring to you the truth of the word of God so that you can believe so that we can have fellowship. But until you believe, it's not fellowship. Somebody catching that this morning? Yeah. He says, that you may have fellowship with us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you so that you can have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship was with the Father and his son, Jesus. We're telling you about the gospel and these things so that you can have fellowship. Every time we meet, we want God's word to happen and we want fellowship to happen. Every time we meet, we want God's word to happen and we want fellowship to happen. 
Next week, we're going to pick up on this number two. I've, I, there are some things about this breaking of bread and about prayer that I have never seen before that I want to share with you next week. I'm so excited about it. I want you to do this right now. Would you bow your heads with me? Would you ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me this morning? What are you saying to me this morning? Maybe I need to forgive the church I came from. <laughs> Maybe I need to allow God to do a reset in my life to where I can actually trust a church or trust the Lord, should I say. Lord, right now I open my heart. Come on, do it right now with your own heart. God, I open my heart. Heal my heart. Maybe some, some people need to be healed from the church or healed from an experience you have. Just say, God, would you forgive me? Would you, would you forgive them? Would you heal my heart this morning? Would you help me to trust again? Somebody needs to pray that this morning. Would you help me to trust again? Help me to trust a minister. Help me to trust a ministry. Help me to trust people again. And Father, Jesus, head of the church, I open up my heart to you as a senior pastor of this church, and, and I pray that Memphis Tabernacle would be exactly what you want it to be. I know, Lord, that we make mistakes. I know that we don't have it all right. But God, when we don't, I pray that we'd repent and we'd get things in order and in, in right standing with you. I pray that the people who come here would have an encounter with God, not just an experience with church. I pray that people who come here would receive the word of God and would receive true fellowship, that the, when, they, when they walk out of fellowship with other believers, whether it be from this church, whether it be at their work or somewhere else, that they walk away built up. I pray for God, godly relationships and godly friends. If you need that and you've been praying for that, just open your heart and receive this right now. I pray for godly friendships and relationships. I pray for godly friendships and relationships to flood throughout this church and beyond, I pray godly friendships and relationships. And Lord, those who don't know you that are our friends, I pray that the gospel would go forth. Lord, not trying to make light and darkness compete or, or work together because they won't, but to be able to truly, truly let the light and the love of Jesus shine into people's hearts so that they would know you so that we can have fellowship with one another. Let Memphis Tabernacle be all, you, all that you want it to be, Lord. And let the people, God, within grow and become who you've called us to be. I thank you for it. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.